The Flame and the Flood. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We get killed more times by wild boars than have been recorded in actual human history in order to find out here on Broke and Gaming. Welcome, absolutely, everyone, to Broke and Gaming. I'm your Detroit Lions host, Shay. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Dan. And hey, Shay, what have you been playing recently? Well, Dan, I have been playing a game called Kingdoms of... Kingdom? Uh, see, so since we played Path Stories... Since we played Stories, I've been fucked on every single video game name that I've ever encountered. Yes. Because I think that it's all always plural, and it's always not, or I think that it's not plural, and it always is. It really is So anyway, is a problem. I've been playing... Kingdom of Amalur Re-Reckoning. And as so so frequently happens to me when playing a video game, I did an entire quest line. And in the last fucking mission, I had to kill this dude. Like, I had to duel, like, duel this guy. And his, after I killed him, his fucking body went through the floor. No. <laughs> no. I can't finish the quest line. Because he has, like, he's he's got an item that opens the next door. To, like, finish the mission. Yeah. And obviously I can't loot his body when it's in the void underneath the cave. So. <laughs> My God. That was about uh, three hours of gameplay just down the toilet. The fact that that ever got a remaster is wild. That. Well. That game. The fact that it got a remaster that was still riddled with with glitches. Like, that's not the only thing that's happened to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that that thing is filled with glitches. This game single-handedly killed a studio. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. <laughs> there was this whole thing. So, uh, one of the internet things that I, I enjoy is a, a YouTube group called Outside Xbox and Outside Extra. And shout out to Ellen Rose, who, this is like her favorite game in the world. She oh, talks about show. it constantly. Like the the channel does a bunch of like listicle type things, and anytime yeah. she can pigeonhole <laughs> Kingdoms of Amalur into the show, she will. And That's great. so she's given like detailed histories about what this game was and was meant to be, and they were supposed to be building an MMO based on the world. Ugh. They had such high I hopes wish for this. Would stop doing that. Yeah. Um. But. Looking at you, Rockstar. The intellectual property for Kingdoms of Amalur is currently owned by, I believe, the state of New Hampshire. Because... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and I, I actually debated putting this in a quiz at some point, and it may, I may revisit it, but... Yeah, now that I have a shot to get that one right. <laughs> so the studio, from what I understand, the studio got a loan from the state of New Hampshire. It went to an estate Hampshire. sale. Yeah, uh, kind of. <laughs> They got a loan oh. from the state of New Hampshire to move jobs to New Hampshire. And then when the, the game did really poorly, they couldn't pay back the loan. So they just gave Oof. them the IP for the game. Oh. Yeah. Oh. How fun. I did. So who who did the remaster? I, dude, I don't know. I know originally it was big, huge games. Like that Gross. was one of the students. Yeah. <laughs> I also think Kurt Schilling, I could be wrong. I think it was. A, oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Wasn't it a studio yeah. owned by Kurt Schilling? Yes. Okay. 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 I thought so, but uh, that wasn't big, huge. That was the other one. I think. Uh, 38 studios. Yeah. 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 Formerly Green Monster Games. Great. Like. Yeah. That makes real, sense. Real subtle though, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, that was one of the free games for the month of November. I do have it in my library. I have yet to download it because I already started playing some stuff that I bought on Black Friday, Shay. But continue yeah, with the yeah, Kingdoms Dan. of Amalur thing. Just I want to make sure we give it its, its due diligence. Is there anything else that's happened that like, like, what what do you think about it so far? Because it looks really fun. Like, it's a good concept for a game. Well, I think it's a little bit too doom and gloom to be an open world RPG. You know what I mean? Sure. Where it's like, it's very like heavy handed on these are the story quests and you should be doing these, which I don't love in RPGs, especially open world ones where it's like, 
you know, like in Skyrim, for example, and this is not a fair comparison at all, but... It is, and I'll explain in a second why it is. In Skyrim, you can, like, find 85 side quests that are also fun, um, just like walking through a town, and that's just not the case in uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah. You know what really did this game in, aside from the glitches and everything like that? Fucking corners, Dan. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and everybody in between to Shay's Corner Corner because, goddamn, Dan, we got here. The corners early. in this game <laughs> are a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Oh my god. And and the worst part is, is the whole fucking world is populated by giant trees. Like that's the like the you know it's very background. Foresty, yeah. The setting. Yeah. Uh. So the fucking roots, man. I don't know what to tell you. We gotta, as as an industry, you've gotta figure out how to do tree roots that you can step over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, this has been Shay's Quarter Quarter. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, <laughs> so, the thing that really, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right, but the original Kingdoms of Amalur was released in February of 2012. Th- what? Three months after the release of Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim. Oh. Exactly. So you're going to oh, that sucks put so out bad. an inferior product after a game that people are still purchasing today. Like, I was talking to some guy at GameStop yesterday, and uh, he was so excited about getting the PS5 edition of Skyrim. And I'm like, but dude. <laughs> It's not different, but it's still though. Ten years old, and people are still buying the remastered edition. Fantastic! You know, I, I, I think that Skyrim is the best RPG that has been made. Okay, I would not go so far as to say the best game because games are best based like that's a subjective thing. Sure, Skyrim is easily my favorite game, but I would I would venture to say that it's the best RPG. All right. At least. I mean, I'm like you said, that's subjective. So I I will I will not argue that point. I have ones that I, I definitely hold more near and dear to my heart. But you talking about Kingdom Hearts? Uh, no, actually, <laughs> it's not worth getting into <laughs> too much, too much of a sour taste, huh? Well, uh, picking up a copy like just to look at, not to purchase of the uh, the really bad from everything I've seen about it, rhythm game that they released after Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm just like, I don't no. even... I don't even no. know. Why would you do that? People hate you enough already. Honestly. So, but it's interesting you mentioned Skyrim. Well, that we both mentioned Skyrim. Black Friday, I purchased a little game called Biomutant. Oh, dope. So, How is it? I really want to play that game. I think I hate it. So... Oh, that sucks. Well, here's the thing, and and... I've been I've been trying to wrap my head around it. It's got some real tone issues. Ooh. It doesn't know what it wants to be. And this is like a thing that bothers me with a lot of games. It's like stick to a path and carry it through. Like you can't be serious and like early on in the game make me do a flashback where I watch my mom die. But then at the same time have this David Attenborough motherfucker narrating the whole thing the whole time and just saying like random dumb bullshit. Uh, <laughs> when you strike somebody, it does like the Adam West Batman, like boom, pow. No, get the fuck out of here. It's all that over g- the place. That game, that game looked too good to have that bullshit in there. That's what I'm saying. Like, come on. It doesn't know if it wants to be Kung Fu Panda or basically like it, an anthropomorphic yeah. animal version of a Skyrim because it's this huge open world. You're doing a ton of side quests. You're doing all of these things. And then it's these cartoony. Just it's so so, weird. So disappointing. Like it's fun. It's just there's there are these things that like I'm having trouble seeing past. Like really irritate you about. Yeah. No, I like uh, at random intervals while you're walking around, the narrator will just and I'm not even kidding. It's they found a guy to do an impression of David Attenborough. Like it's like listening to a Blue Planet documentary. And then just like while you're just wandering around, he'll say things like, you never know what your story will be until it's over. And it's like, what oh, even uh, did this bring to anything? You didn't need to say that. <laughs> it's like having a friend who can't do 
uncomfortable silences or comfortable silences. Like they just have to say something to fill the void. Yeah. Where it's like, no, 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 we can just sit here. No, you got to just tell me about the cat that you had when you were nine. I don't give a fuck right (laughs) now. That's Uh. it's, it's all over the place. So I picked that up. I'm maybe like three hours into it. I'm disappointed to hear that. The gameplay is great. Genuinely, Dan, that is enough to, for me to not get that game. It's it's that's, a that's struggle. Enough. The gameplay is great. The visuals are great. It's a little choppy. It, it's it's a sad thing now where, like, if I put a disc in for the first time and I don't have, like, a 60 gig patch, I get a little concerned because it's like, oh, <laughs> have they not put in any support into this at all? Like, right. yeah, Russell was playing a different game and it said ready to use 10 minutes after I put the disc in. And I'm like, that <laughs> is weird. I don't have incredible internet. This, this shouldn't have downloaded everything it needed to download already, but it's, it's, it's not super buggy or anything. Like it runs smoother than some games. It's just, I'll get some frame rate drops every so often. And that's about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's, it's no cyberpunk. Is what you're <sighs> no, nothing is. <laughs> So I picked I picked that up and I picked up Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I'm oh, nice. really looking forward to. I know that's going to be a huge time suck. The Yakuza games are massive; like they take forever. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that some time. But I'll I'll report back in the next episode where I met with Bio Mutant. But um, we have an transition inter- here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. This is one of the few games. That, like, I genuinely have no idea what you're going to say about it. Oh, this will be fun. But what we'll do is we will start, as we always start, with our short change history. This week's episode, The Flame in the Flood, is a 2016 roguelike survival game developed by Boston-based studio, The Molasses Flood. The studio was founded by former members of Irrational Studios after the corporate restructuring following the release of Bioshock Infinite. The Flame in the Flood is the first game from The Molasses Flood, and crowdfunded project on Kickstarter, they raised a quarter of a million dollars on a goal of 150000 Oh, boy. Yep. This allowed them to hire singer-songwriter Chuck Reagan of Hot Water Music to compose the game's soundtrack. Following the success of The Flame in the Flood and their second game, Drake Hollow, The Molasses Flood was acquired by CD Projekt in October of 2021. Literally a month ago from when we were recording. The Flame in the Flood is currently available on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, Mac, and PC. So we've had a... This is the second time in really recent history where like a big thing has happened to either the studio or the game that we're talking about. As of press time, Beyond Eyes still is not available anywhere. <laughs> we still don't understand what happened. We don't know why the game was pulled from every digital uh, marketplace the literal week that we recorded the episode, but a studio being purchased so soon into when we're going to be doing an episode is also pretty interesting. Yeah. We're, we're at the front lines of video game journalism. Yep. Covering a game that's five years old and yet somehow (laughs) it's still relevant. I'm very proud of us. Yeah. But Shay, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this game is? I would love to. In this game, you play as a girl named Scout who takes her raft and is trying to survive what appears to be a water-based apocalypse by gathering scant resources, crafting new materials, and just generally contracting malaria. (laughs) Yes. Traveling around with her dog, you go to different island-type things that have kind of specialized resources and also a boar will kill you at, at every point. So fucking often. This game. Yeah. Did you get to the wolves? The wolves were even worse. Oh, I didn't, I didn't run into any wolves. Yeah, they, they, of course, travel in packs. So it's not like dealing with the one <laughs> random wild boar. It's like three or four wolves. Can I tell you when they were like, hey, wave your stick and the crows will fly away. I thought that was going to be way bigger of like a mechanic. Yeah, right? It just They just leave. Like... <laughs> They leave a feather behind. <laughs> yeah, but that's it, though. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, my God. Actually, this just reminded me of another glitch that I had a problem with in uh, Kingdoms of Amber. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I, I was thinking of, like, the, the inventory management and how items stack. Yeah. In Kingdoms of... Kingdoms of Amalur, first off, in the re-reckoning, you get like a shit ton of 
like legendary armor. Oh, really? Right off the bat. Yeah, as part of like the DLC packs that sure. come with the game. So as soon as you get to town, if you just like take everything out of this like special delivery chest, your inventory is full right away. Okay. Now, some items, if you have them in your inventory, some of them stack. But do you know what doesn't stack, Dan, and takes up an inventory slot for, for every single one you have? What's that? It's health potions. Good. Good. Health potions do not stack like they do in every other fucking game out there. Yeah. But feathers do stack in the Flame of the Flood. Yes, in in bundles of 10. So everything oh, that you pick up, <laughs> yeah. So everything that you pick up, you can only have 10 of in a slot. So at the start of the game, you have, I believe it's 10, uh, 12 slots for the different items yeah. that you can pick up and craft. Then your dog, um, which it's an interesting choice to, to let you choose between two dogs. Like it's the only cosmetic difference right off the bat. They don't yeah. function any differently, but you can choose between Aesop and Daisy, and they have a bag that has six slots. Then your raft has even more slots, but you can only access that when you're at the dock. So if you're out exploring one of these little outposts or areas and you have something on the raft, you're kind of fucked. Because that's where I would keep a lot of my healing stuff, uh -huh. my splints, my bandages. So when I would run into the inevitable wild boar, I'd have to <laughs> make a mad dash back to the raft in order to get myself healed back up yeah but as a real fun game mechanic if you break your leg which happens a <laughs> ton with a wild boar it slows right. you so much that yeah. like i've done that's one of the main ways that i've died is yeah just trying to limp back to the dock in order to heal myself and just getting run down but that's yeah. fine so i'm going to transition that into boy do they kill you in a lot of ways in this game <laughs> so this is one of those hyper realistic quote unquote kind of sort of games where you have to keep yourself fed you have to keep yourself yep. hydrated rested and warm yes all of those have meters that tick down as you play so you get hungrier like if you sleep you get hungry at a certain rate or thirsty which is that makes sense but also, it's a video game. So I've died of starvation a couple times because resources for food are are also pretty scarce. Yeah. And like, I just... Very, very scarce, I would say. I'm just eating handfuls of dandelions for two, like, points of <laughs> right. nutrition each. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I I struggle with this kind of thing in video games where it's so much to manage that it's it's overwhelming. I yeah. am also a very meticulous player. Like, I want to explore everything. I want to make sure that I have everything I can craft. And yeah. I watched Russell play this. That is not this. how you play this game. You can't. It's <laughs> So I watched Russell play, and he got twice as far as I did on any singular run by just going, nah, just go, just fucking go. And I'm like, yeah. but that's not, that's not how I play. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Like, well, and it seems like it, it would be counter... It seems like it would be counterintuitive to like the scarce resource survival game. Yes. You know what I mean? Where you would you would kind of think that you would hoard your crafting materials a little bit because you're like trying to get this. And especially when like one of the first things that this game told me to do was like you need a knife and a hammer or whatever. The yeah. Fuck. And then never gave me an island with the materials I needed for a knife or a hammer. Mm -hmm. So like, fuck me, I guess. It's so weird. Yeah. Like, I'm genuinely curious to see what would happen if you just get on the raft and never get off. Like, how far you'd be able to travel. Right. Maybe stopping for food. Maybe stopping for sleep. Like, when you absolutely must. Yeah. But just push through and see how far you get. I Right. I can almost guarantee it'd be... A billion times farther than it, than it is when you stop yeah. for things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, the amount of time that you waste walking around collecting cattails like you could just yeah. be getting down the river yep so the goal of also, this game <laughs> yeah no go ahead oh there's a goal there's a goal for this game i mean loosely you get to the end of the river like it's a like a 10 mile oh that's trip. right yeah, yeah yeah you have to get to like 10 there's like 10 areas or something yeah that you have to find i mean i don't know if it's 10 miles but it's it's definitely 10 areas yeah with things just getting more and more perilous or or bigger enemies and and whatnot like, there's got to be a bear, right? There has to be bears. 
I'm pretty sure that I ran into a bear. Really? <laughs> yeah. On like one of the first three islands. Really? I <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, I figured it scaled. It was like boars, wolves, bears, but Nah man, I, I think they were just like, you don't want to play this game ever again, huh? Uh, <laughs> let's let's just reinforce that for you. It is brutal. What uh what what's your furthest trip? Like how many oh, sections? Full one. <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. All yeah. right. Um Well, because I fucking ran into the board, like the, the fifth island in the first area. Wow. And I was like, oh, I can probably swing my stick at it, right? And it's like, uh, fuck you. And also, fuck your legs. It was fun, though. Like, when they give you that, like, post, post-run map of all the, like, events, it's like, <laughs> like this, like, uh, explosion of dots where the boar fucked me up. Because it gives you, like, a rundown of all of your injuries. Yeah. And so, like, just, like, nine dots popped up. It was like, here, you broke your leg and your arm and a rib and your lungs died. And then you fell down and died. And then you got trampled to death. And to be honest with you, I think when I hit the boar uh, that first time, I died of starvation because it took me so long to drag myself <laughs> to a building to try to sleep. That's so good. <laughs> Did you meet any characters? Like any, no. any NPCs? Dan, I, I gotta be honest with you, and I didn't want to bring this out until like later on because it kind of spoils where I'm at on this game. Sure. I did one run, and I hated it so much that Aww, I didn't Shay. want to play again. All right. Yeah. If I ever have the capability of streaming, like if I can ever get that figured out, I'll I'll stream it <laughs> and we'll we'll see how I do. But there are a bunch of NPCs that you can encounter throughout. The one yeah. the ones that I I got to most often was this pair of feral children. Oh cool. Yeah, where they they talk in like broken speech. Like they'll say things like good-minded, brain-polished and shit like that where yeah. it's like yeah, if you were children on your own and you have like a, a rough idea of how the English language works, yeah, this would probably be how it works. And like you can get little side quest lines and and things like that from the NPCs or they'll just give you stuff, but they're scattered in such a weird way like because it's a it's a roguelike, the areas that you go through are randomly generated. It's never going to be the yeah. same path. So the different types of woods or campsites or fisheries or whatever that you can land at the path will always be different so i would go a couple runs without running into anybody and still getting like three or four sections in and then i would do two runs in a row where i'd run into the same npcs it was really odd like i don't understand yeah. how it's generated but i think see I, this is this is why i know we're gonna have a very very different idea of, of how to rate this game <laughs> I don't know that this is, like, a, a, gr a Gree situation where, like, no, 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 give it another shot, finish it out, and we'll we'll reassess. Because it is such a specific type of game that yeah. I know this isn't for everyone. And you like yeah. roguelites. Yeah, I do. It just has so Pro many other my things. my second favorite genre besides uh, RPGs. Yeah, and and the problem is, so the I think one of the big things about roguelites and roguelikes is getting to progress in a meaningful way and this well, let game... me stop you right there dan yeah because i think the most important thing in roguelites is like feeling like you can do better next time right or like if you had done one thing differently here you'd be able to do something better here but i don't feel that that's true for this game it's not i feel like if you don't get the exact right order of islands you're fucked you know what I mean? A lot of it does come down to luck because even the stuff that that appears on those islands can vary. Like it's not like yeah. okay, cool, it's this one. I know this one has X amount of materials of this type or this type of food. You know what else fucking blows about about my my progression through this game through the my my run was like I would get to these islands and they'd be like, oh, this is where you get flint from, and I was like, oh, cool, that's what I need, and I would explore the island and there'd be no fucking flint, and I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I'll just throw myself in the river. Again. Yep, yeah, that is odd because it's like things have a higher probability, uh, like the churches for whatever reason have alcohol and rags more often than not, so that's your like main place that you're supposed to be able to find healing crafts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then... Oh, no fucking alcohol at the, the church island I pulled up on. No I've, alcohol, no rag. Uh, I got a rag, I think. I've but. had the same issue. And also, 
there were thorns covering the entirety of the church, which is the only place to sleep on that particular stop for me. Yeah. And there was a wild boar. So not only can I not heal. <laughs> so, so they really, really fucked you there. Yeah, I can't <laughs> find anything to heal myself. And also I'm going to do significantly more damage to myself than when I landed. But the other weird thing about this compared to a lot of games that claim to be roguelikes is there's a checkpoint system. And there shouldn't be. Uh-huh. If you die, rather than go all the way back to the start, you can start from when you entered an area. Gotcha. You'll still have the same health as when you entered there. You'll still have the same items as when you entered there. So, like, if you're on the brink of death when you get to a new section, you're going to be at the brink of death every single time. Yeah. And the only thing that, like, you can carry from playthrough to playthrough or, or run to run are the items on the dog. Like, whatever items you give to the dog to hold, that backpack carries forward to the next one. But yours doesn't. Yeah, everything that, that Scout is holding is fucked and gone. Hold hold on a second. <laughs> right, so... Hold, hold on a second there. So compare that to, like, Hades, where... Yeah. Yes, you don't have the buffs that you had in, in the run when you, when you do another one, but you get all those little pickups... Yeah. The gift items, the ambro uh, the ambrosia, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can level your shit up. You can't yeah. do any of that here. So it's literally just what you put on the dog. Yeah. And that's the only thing that carries it forward, which is Yeah. I wouldn't consider that rogue light or like in that case. Like that's Yeah. Like you can again, you can try to be strategic and be like, I'm gonna put all my beef jerky on the dog so that I have a ton of stuff to feed myself in the next playthrough, but like that's only one of the things that you have to be concerned with. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, it, I mean, it sounds to me like you have, like this game is about like fucking grinding for 90 playthroughs and then like, ma- like going all in on one. Yeah. Which kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's not the spirit of a roguelike. Well, let's, let's do our pros and cons lists because I think we're, we're just about at that point where we're just going to actually start shitting on or praising the different parts of (laughs) how they put this together. So I I hate that this is the thing that I almost always say first with the pros and cons, but I'm going to do it anyway. I really enjoy the art style (laughs) here. The art style. Yep. (laughs) I I get that. That's like, (laughs) it, it seems like such a cop out. Like next episode, I promise not to do that as my first one, but I really did like this. This is actually what sold me on the game in the first place. It's got a Tim Burton-y... I was just about to say if Coraline was... I mean, Coraline is not a Tim No, 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 but I was going to say Leica Studios as well. It's It's got that yeah. almost stop-motion grotesqueness to it. Yeah. Coraline is an oil painting was what I was going to say. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. And, like, everything is like that. Like, really angular, kind of almost Picasso-esque. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the way the facial structures work. I, I love it. That's that's the biggest thing for this game that that had me in the trailer. The music yeah. as well. I, I really do yeah. enjoy the music, especially the songs that were written specifically for it. Like you'll get to patches on the river where it'll just like break out into a song. And I'm a sucker for that kind of thing anyway. <laughs> one of my like one of the best things that I've ever experienced in a game is in the first Red Dead Redemption when you tr- cross into Mexico and that song starts playing and it's just so cinematic and beautiful. Anyway. Yeah. So those are my first two big cop out pros. <laughs> in terms of cons, I mean it's that thing that we've run into in a lot of these indie games where it's like figure it the fuck out, guy. Yeah. You have different things that they tell you that they want you to do, but they don't give you enough context of how to do them. The tool building specifically, like, you know, you have to get Flint, you know, you have to get these things in order to build the knife or the hammer. But then they're like, not great at telling you what you do from that point. Like, you can build a bow and arrow, which is really the only way you're going to take down these other animals that are trying to attack you. And I have yet to figure out a straightforward way of doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I wish you could just pick up melee weapons somewhere. Yeah, because, I mean, if there are other NPCs, there's got to be other survivors, which means that some of these clowns have made these weapons before. So it, I, I feel like it should be included that some of these tools are just, you can just find them. Exactly. I don't know. Especially, and, you know, it doesn't need to be that there were other survivors that passed through here, but, like, 
you know, you're looting people's houses. Like, no one has a hammer in their house. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, a, uh, a pro for me is that it is, like, hyper-realistic. And typically, I don't like that very much because it's not real life. It's a video game. But, like, in this one, it kind of looks too cartoony to, like, make you take it seriously. Yeah. And then you meet a boar and you're just like an angry, hungry boar and you're just fucked. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, the sleep thing that drains your hunger and thirst really irritates me, but that's right. Like if you go to sleep, you get hungrier and thirstier. Yeah. I think that, that they make you sleep a little too frequently. Well, cause time passes in a weird way. Cause it's not yeah like a day in game is maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe. Yeah. In real time. So, when you sleep, like, it, it does tick down the hunger and thirst meter at the same rate as if you were to stay awake. But needing to sleep every, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes in game yeah, is is a little obnoxious. It's just not real. Yeah. <laughs> to piggyback on that a little bit, did you notice that when you have your menu open, all of your stuff continues to tick down? Like, it doesn't stop yep. time for that yep. kind of thing. You know when I noticed that, Dan? <laughs> when you died of starvation. Right in the boar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cuz yeah, like you can't open up your backpack while you're in the middle of a battle or just you know, battle is is giving it a lot of credit there. <laughs> right? Battle would imply that there are two equal sides fighting it out. Yeah. Even if it's slightly uneven. Even if it's you just running away in terror because there's no way that you can kill this thing. Right. Yep, nope, it's just going to keep on going. So I, I agree, and like I said, hyper-realism or, or any sort of realism in a video game is always something that I I struggle with, because ah, we'll save that for, well, a, a, for another time. There's a there's a place for it, you know what yes. I mean? But there is also a limit to it yes. that should be in there. It's exactly you know? that. Yeah. Um. A big con that I have, and uh, what's that? Welcome back, it's Shay's oh. Corner Corner! Because fuck these corners, Dan. <laughs> Again, it's the goddamn tree roots. I don't know what it is about video game developers that can't get a fucking tree... Like, we can see the tree roots. Step over it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I agree. And, like, this the has... Fucking... It drives me insane. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, it's... <laughs> so... Like a rock? I can't climb over a rock? I don't understand why some physics work and some of them don't. Yeah, like because I actually can't remember off the top of my head now. Can you jump in this? No. Okay. No. All right. All right. Because fuck you. You can barely steer your raft. Oh, that's another con I have. Yeah, yeah. When yeah you're let's on get your into fucking that. raft. You want to make your game hyper realistic with the fucking hunger and the food, the thirst, the sleep, and the whatever the other one is, warmth. Uh, but then you have rivers that have currents going four different ways in like one spot. Chomp my whole asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have too many issues with that, but I've also never been whitewater rafting, so I couldn't say how <laughs> accurate those kind of things are. I mean, they kind of just go one direction. Do they, though? I not strongly enough to have like opposing currents in the same opposing space. currents. No. Yeah, you're right. But like, I think that's how people like capsize and shit. It's because like, because of what's underneath or like rocks that are pushing it in a certain way, like it, you'll make these sharp turns and then the whole thing flips. I think that's fine, but that's also not the mechanic they put in this game. It just drags you into rocks. Like it's not like there's ever a real danger of the raft flipping because of currents or anything like that it's just like nope we're just yeah. gonna drive you right into this abandoned car that's sticking out of the water uh, <laughs> right yeah no oh and like the, the fucking like you have no control hardly any control over that raft yeah because they they also have it as an endurance thing like in order to push it hard in any direction yeah there's like a stamina meter strength right yeah which that's fine i, I guess but their scale for it is absurd Oh, yeah. Like, you're tired after three pushes? Right. Um, Come on. There's also, like... You know how in games they have, like, easy path and difficult path when it comes to traversing? And usually there's a reward at the end of taking the more difficult path. There isn't that. Yeah. You just kind of have yeah. to choose correctly. Like, there are areas of that of that river, especially when you're going from 
section to section that yeah. like the water's pretty calm on this side of this divide and going to knock you around on the other side. Yeah. It's literally just luck of the draw, it feels, which I, yeah, that's not the best way to handle a roguelike, but you know. Yeah. I mean, you already have enough things that are based almost entirely on luck for that to be another thing yes. that you have to just guess. Yeah. You know? That's the second most common way for me to die is just getting repeatedly slammed into the rocks and my boat, my uh, my raft just falling apart entirely and drowning. Yeah. It, can I? Another thing that really fucking irritates me about the raft mechanic is that it is real easy to miss landing in an island. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? And not not just because you're like not quite close enough, but like when you get there, the prompt to like tie up It's a pretty small window. It's quick. It is real fucking quick. Yeah. You almost just have to like hammer the X button over and over. Yeah. But 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 I think that isn't the X button also to like push the raft? Um oh maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um no, actually I think that's square. But I It might way, be square or circle. Also, let me tell you how fucking long it took me to figure out how to open my inventory. <laughs> a real long time, yes. Yeah, because they don't fucking tell you anything. Nope, nope, They're like, nope. hey, use use these things and craft this. And I'm like, where do I have them? So. Yeah. I don't know, man. Anyway. You, you, you ready to rate this shit? Yeah, let's fucking go. I'm, I'm already, I can already tell I'm going to be probably swayed. I actually want you to do yours first, if that's cool. All right, so. First point, does it work? Fuck no, it doesn't, Dan. Let me tell you why. Corners. Corners are a big issue. Um, The raft is another huge, huge pitfall for me. I appreciate the randomness of the items that are present on islands when you land there, but like, you can't have that kind of randomness with your items, and then like the environment is like, you know, pretty brutal no matter what. Right. Like, it just doesn't make for a fun game. It's so many things at once. Yeah. Plus, like, and, and, you know, like you said, speaking of too many things, like, having to balance your sleep and your your thirst and your warmth and your tiredness is just, it's just too much. Like, even if there were enough resources at play at any given time. Yeah. That's still a lot to manage. Then you throw in scarcity and it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Plus, like, you know... I feel like half of them, like when you're filling one that need, it takes away from some of the others. Like, I I hate like if you're gonna make it that difficult to keep your fucking food and thirst high, uh, like why would I ever sleep in the game? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, I would just fucking hop on the raft and see how far I can make it before I die of exhaustion. You know. Again, if I if I end up streaming, I want to do exactly that for a playthrough just push forward and see how far I go. But yeah, um, in terms yeah. of whether or not it works though, uh, I do agree. The corners are an issue. I do agree. Steering the raft is an issue, but I almost feel like at times there, there feels like a, a, a delay on your actions, even like yeah. swinging the stick. Like it, it feels like it happens like a millisecond after it should I, enough I where it's too, noticeable changing changing direction in that game not i mean the raft uh, we've talked about at length but like even when you're just walking around yeah. it seems like you're very slow to turn the other way which and it, is a problem for me yeah and it may not even be the case it's just it feels that way it feels that way yeah so yeah. i don't think i'm giving this a point here either all right so is it engaging uh i I genuinely feel like I am not qualified to answer this question. Oh, that's interesting. Just because I quit after, like, it for me it was so unenjoyable on that first run that I didn't even want to play it again. But that doesn't really answer whether it was engaging or not. And there are, like, NPCs that I didn't meet. And, like, if you fucking figure out how to craft an important item early on, like, it could be a better experience than that. But, like... I don't think that I got enough of the game to tell you whether or not it was engaging. So I, I think as like the official scoring 
rule that I'm going to go with. I'm going to give it a half point. Yeah, there. I was going to say this. This feels like hypothetical Kelsey territory because yeah, if you don't have enough to go off of and you can't judge it, it's got to be that right in the middle. Um, yeah, I am going to give it a full point because yeah. of just the different things that I've experienced. Like this is the main reason why we changed this point from fun to engaging because this isn't the most fun game I played this like some of the stuff is really grueling but like it feels rewarding when I get out of a, a shitty situation like if I survive well, I know anything about that well yeah and that's and and <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I I think the satisfaction of narrowly escaping by you know a narrow margin that that is engaging on its own uh i i would argue though that for most things in the game and again this is i'm i'm guessing but it's for most things in the game it's about like you escape starving to death because you stumble on something on an island you know what i mean yeah so to me it doesn't sound like it has enough like player skill involved to to be engaging yeah and that's that's a fair assessment but like at the same time if if you're looking for a survival experience like there's a lot of games in this market like don't starve or you know even if you go survival horror there's a slew of that where it is about yeah resource scarcity and things like that in terms of just a pure survival game this is one of the better representations it may be a little over the top at times and it, it kind of is more grueling than a lot of them but i think that's kind of the point yeah so yeah that's going to be a full point there yeah i mean that works that works for me uh does it look good um i'm i'm gonna say yes uh i will say that that dog is the stuff of nightmares yeah aesop is real rough looking he is fucking scary <laughs> he, is, he is a rough looking dude <laughs> uh but otherwise yeah i think it, i think it looks good the environments are like fresh enough uh from from place to place that like you don't get tired of a gameplay loop, but like overall the art, I, I think the art style is very cool. Yeah. Like I said, it's like Coraline is an oil painting, which I think is, is if nothing else interesting in a video. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's not necessarily that it looks good so much as it looks unique. Yeah. It's why I like the Lakai films or like a uh, studio films like Coraline or, you know, Kubo and the two strings, like that kind of thing. Like, it doesn't look like anything else, which yeah. that's that's kind of the novelty of it. So, yeah, that's going to be a full point there. Is there a story? So uh, this might be the same issue you have with engaging, because I'm going to say a half mm, point. And the reason mm, is, like, there's not a lot of anything right at the top, but you do kind of learn more about that world as you progress. So it's parsed out okay. in a weird way, but... In terms of why is she there at the start? Why is, like, where did she come from? Who is she? There's none of that. Yeah. The world building comes in these talking, in in talking to NPCs and things like that. But that's not even a lot on its own. So I certainly can't give it a full point here. And it's almost third point territory, but we're not, that overcomplicates our lives. (laughs) We can't do, no. So (laughs) I'm I'm sticking with a half there. (laughs) Yeah. I feel pretty confidently in not giving it a point. That's though. fine, yeah. Because NPC stuff, that's like, that's just lore. You know what I mean? And it's not story. That yeah, no, that's that's perfectly reasonable. So and and just the fact that you have like no fucking motivation for leaving where like that was that was the thing that I thought right off the bat when you start. Like, why is she leaving? this little area she's already in. What is the point? Like, it looks like she's got a nice little setup. Yeah. Uh, why does she have to go? There are no inherent dangers other than starvation. Like, right. Yeah. Like, it would have been nice to have like anything there. Right. Like, like fucking have a bear crash through that, the cabin that you're using, get your, you know, get chased chase off the raft. Yeah. yeah. That would make sense. Even if that was randomized, like, like the, the circumstances in which you have to get off the, the initial island, like that would mm-hmm. be really, really interesting. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I like that. I, I, I understand that like, since there's no one else there, there isn't really motivation for the player character to be like offering up this in, information. 
like as a narrator even right but like to give you not like just absolute zero at the onset of the game is is really irritating to me so no point there okay uh so i intentionally switched these last two just because i think this one's the one that's up for debate the most because it claims to be a roguelike so the last point for these first five is is there replayability i'm gonna have you go first because i want to see where you land in it truly being a roguelike well, I mean, if the question is, is it truly a roguelike, then no, it's not. Right. I, I would I would argue that it's like this this fucking like disaster experiment between a roguelike and like a there was like a zombie game that came out a little while ago where every time you died, you just came back as a di- like a different, unique person and you would just keep fighting your way through, which is more of a roguelike yeah but like but like this this like half permadeath thing that they have where it's like if you die you can come back with your dog's items like that it's not true to the spirit of a roguelike and it's also not like doesn't make any fucking sense yeah logistically it, it it's nonsense yeah, how how like so the dog just like grabs your spirit before it goes to the afterlife and drags you back to the beginning of the area like Yeah. Your essence is somehow stored in its bag. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a fair point. Wouldn't that be fucking wild though if you get to the end of the 10th area and it's like the dog has just been creating homunc- homunculi oh my to God. get your yeah. soul to your body and that's why you're leaving the island? Holy shit. Did you beat it, Dan? Did you get to the temple? Oh goodness, area? no. So that that could be the ending. That's the working theory. In that case, uh, <laughs> full point for his does have a story. No, um, right? That would be fucking dope. Oh my god. god. Yeah. <laughs> we need to create our own game, right? <laughs> if we did, it'd be such a fucking mess. If only we had any video gaming skill at all, uh, like development skill. <laughs> arguably, playing too. All right, so I'm gonna. So, wait, are you giving what, that a point? I'm sorry, what was the what was the question? question <laughs> Is there replayability? <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it a half point okay. because inherently there is, but it's not fun replayability. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a full point only because there is a lot to do. Whether or not you get to all that in a playthrough is real fucking unlikely. But is there a lot to do though, Dan? Yeah, or is there just a lot of things to make? No, there's a lot of things to do. And I mean, can I tell you though, real quick, uh, on my run, I made like a full outfit of whatever the, like the next step up of the clothes were. And I was like, so fucking proud of myself. I was like, I'm never going to be cold. And then I ran into a boar. Yep. 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 Uh, I mean, you could have <laughs> like, uh, fuck you. You could have put all those items in the, in the dog's bag. If you had the, the time, it also like, it's so panic inducing. Like, that it's hard to make those decisions on the fly. Well, I didn't... I mean, obviously, having not played a second run, I didn't realize that the dog's items came back, but... But, yeah. Yeah. All right. And finally, for the last five points, is it worth the cost? So, I picked this game up for two ninety nine on sale at some point, but it does retail at fourteen ninety nine. So, based on that, I'm going to give it... My heart says four... My head says three. <laughs> I'm going to go four. I, I think there. this is one of those things that you have to have the patience to do, but there's a lot to it. Now, I could be totally wrong, and this could absolutely shit the bed uh, at the finish <laughs> line. Like, if I get to the end and this dog isn't some kind of demigod, <laughs> now I'm going to be upset. But, yeah, there's, I mean... I hate to compare it to this, but it is that sort of J.J. Abrams mystery box thing of like, I know there's something more here. I got to yeah. figure it out. Sorry, are you landing at you're landing? I at think three? I'm, I'm at four. Oh, four. OK. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to give it three points. Okay. Uh, I got it for 317. I just found the receipt right after I looked at the uh, third time that I bought <laughs> the uh, limbo bundle. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting enough and it, you know, 
you kind of have some expectations of roguelikes going in. So I, I think that that's certainly enough. I think 15 is a little too much, but if you find it on sale for even 10, I would say. Yeah. I think that's worth it. Eventually, I'll probably give this game another try, but it's not going to be for a while until I <laughs> until I forget that I uh, found a boar anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> next next time we hang out, I'm going to I'm going to get you to maybe do a run on this just to see. Well, see, so I think I think that this is definitely a game that needs like a tutorial at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So because like if you just kind of guess what items you want to go after like first off you're not going to get those items and i I, now i don't know if like this flood happened yesterday or not but if you've been surviving kind of on your own for a little while you would have some of these tools already you know one would think yeah uh all all that to say three points for me yep so that puts us for our final scores at five points from shay 7.5 points from me and that's one of our bigger that feels about right that's one of our bigger digressions but that's also kind of based on the amount of time we put into it and in addition to that that is one of i think maybe the first game where you're kind of on the fence then of whether or not you would recommend it and i'm pretty solidly in the would recommend category yeah huh making history every episode god we're just so good at this <laughs> we uh we'll put a pin in that if if at some point you do end up picking it up and and you want to reevaluate your score we can do that but it's not it's i'm not doing it as a call to action like i did with with some other ones so yeah all right well um we've already been going for an hour but hey shay you want to play a game dan Chain me up in a zoological institute and clamp my chest until it's crushed every time I take a breath. I would love to play a game. I've started tuning those out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. That is, of course, the Oxygen Crusher from Saw 6. Yes, 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 yes. Of course. Yes. So it's interesting that our conversation went in the direction that it did for a couple of these, because today, Shay... Yeah. We're going to be talking about realism in video games. Oh, cool. Typically, we play video games to escape reality, right? Yeah. In recent... Well, well, <laughs> all the time for me, but yeah. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> uh, but as we kind of have touched upon, in recent years, it seems like several games have embraced the idea of having the players keep up with real-life things like eating or exercise to keep their characters in stable condition. Honestly, I'm not great at making sure I drink the recommended eight glasses of water a day, and now I have to make sure my video game protagonist doesn't die of thirst. Fine, whatever. (laughs) All I know is that, like, Mario never ate those mushrooms to keep his blood sugar regulated. (laughs) Regardless of that, the lengths that developers go to bring realism to their games range from the grounded to the downright fucking ridiculous. So that is what our questions are going to be about today. You ready for your first question, Shay? Always, Dan. I'm not ready for the third one, but the first one, yeah. <laughs> How right you are. Okay, so starting <laughs> off easy. <Cool. laughs> so starting off easy for you, but not necessarily your characters. In what game, originally released in 1971 as a text-based adventure, gave the you players fucking stop? Calm down, this. calm down. That is fucking 20 years before I was born. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Sorry. originally released in 1971 as a text-based adventure, what game gave the players the unique opportunity to die of the now meme-worthy, but in actuality, extremely unpleasant disease, dysentery? Oh, Oregon Trail. Yes, okay, thank you. Fuck yeah. Trust the process. I would never do that to you on the first question. Yes, that is a point. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right, that's one point for Shay. Speaking of diseases I hope to never contract, and hilariously enough, something we've already mentioned in this episode, in what installment (laughs) of a popular and long-running video game franchise set in a location literally described as the UAC or unnamed African country, does the player catch malaria every 30 to 40 minutes in real time, causing the screen to have a yellowish tint, rendering you unable to sprint or jump? And if you don't take an anti-malaria pill, you pass out and wake up in a clinic. Is it Resident Evil 5, Far Cry 2, 
or Cabela's Big Game Hunter 2012? <laughs> and I really hope that the answer is Cabela's Big Game Hunter, but I feel like <laughs> it's uh, Far Cry 2. It is Far Cry 2, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because, like I said on a previous episode, I was playing Far Cry 5, and Russell and I kind of got into a, to a debate about cultural representation in the Far Cry games and how like they've been spotty at best and to be in an African country and it's like you're getting malaria every actual 30 minutes not not a great that's look not a great look yeah yeah that's, yeah yeah so that's two points did you, get, did you get Far Cry 6 yet no and I should have gotten it yesterday on sale but oh well that's fine it was like $35 on Black Friday holy shit I know I know I should have gotten it and I didn't I haven't been I haven't been swindled by, uh, yet by Far Cry Six, but soon it's coming. Oh, it's coming! I can feel it. <laughs> Our next question: A game which we this is question three. Yeah. This is the one that I specifically said I was not ready for. Yeah, and we'll see if you're right. We'll see how it goes. A game we have mentioned in previous episodes, Control by Remedy Entertainment, is far from what oh, I boy. would consider <laughs> realism. Alan Wake, on the other hand, despite dealing heavily with topics like possession and haunting implement an interestingly realistic mechanic. And in service of this, in the original 2010 release of the game, Remedy penned an endorsement deal with what real-world company? Is it Pepsi, Energizer, or McDonald's? Uh, I would like to buy a hint, please. So the, the reason that it's the brand that it is is pretty much the main mechanic of the game. So if you know anything about Alan Wake whatsoever and what the gameplay is in that, it'll give you the answer right away. Uh, that did not help me. I have looked at a couple of cursory articles about Alan Wake, but I uh, don't know anything about the game. Just remastered and re-released this year, in fact. I, I know. That's why I looked it up. They also, like I said, it, it is in the 2010 release for the subsequent DLC and re-releases. This brand is no longer involved. They just went with a generic. Uh, I'm going to say Pepsi. It is Energizer because... Ah, god damn it. I fucking knew it. That was the, I was like, it's got to be Energizer. It's got to be. And then I was like, no, all of the answers have been B so far. You think I care about those things. It's so funny. I fucking SAT'd myself. I know. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is Energizer because the main mechanic in the game is there are these, like, creatures made of shadow... And in order to hurt them, you have to shine a light on them. A flashlight, yeah. And your flashlight and you have runs to replace out of fucking it every batteries. Three minutes it's because so your awful. batteries suck. Yeah, so you're constantly on the search for batteries <laughs> in this game. It's like you're. It's more important than ammo. Speaking of hyper realism, <laughs> exactly. Next question. Hey, uh, O'Shea, remember that time we totally shit on Uve Bowl, like specifically yes. about how his dubious direction. <laughs> has resulted in the lowest rated and poorest grossing video game films of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Good news for him is that some of the source material sucks too. (laughs) (laughs) In 2008's reboot of alone in the dark, the developers had the bright idea to force the player to manually perform what generally automatic bodily function with a dedicated button. Pissing. What? Pissing. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's uh, Death Stranding. It's not. Is uh, it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you piss a lot in Death Stranding. <laughs> but is the actual answer coughing, blinking, or yawning? <laughs> I'm tempted to go with blinking because it's B. <laughs> I would like to buy a hint for this one. So the mechanic most comes in handy in the beginning of the game where they kind of force you to do it. And then that kind of tapers off, but in certain sequences during the game, you have to remember that that's a button that you have to push. Like, it's it's like literally the circle button or, you know, whatever the equivalent would be on other consoles. B, I don't know. Yeah, it's B on the Xbox. Yes. So yeah. you have to press it in order to get through certain other things that happen. And so, like, the beginning part is, like, almost training you to know that this is a thing that you might have to do later on. But either way should be an involuntary action. I'm going to say blinking. It is blinking. Yeah. Yeah. So. I Because, like, I had never played Alone in the Dark, but it sounds very much like it would be, like, a weeping angels from Doctor Who situation. Kind of, yes. So, 
if you hold the button down, you keep your eyes closed, which becomes a mechanic uh. later on. But when you first wake up, you like just experienced an exorcism or something. So your eyes oh, keep fun. getting blurry. So you have to blink to clear them to walk around. It's fucking stupid. Oh, but that sounds horrible. In addition to that, you know how like in games like that, like these survival horror type of things, like you're constantly getting sprayed in the face with shit. Like you're playing the yeah. village or we're playing the village uh, for Resident Evil. If every yeah. time you shot something and like the blood spray or like poison oh, spit, clear my eyes. Exactly. How yeah. fucking obnoxious. Whatever. They're- there was a shooter, I think, that did that, where you had to manually clear your screen. Uh, that might, I mean, it might be this, because that is what you do. Huh. Well, anyway. We'll look that I up at a, a different time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our final question for today. Confession. Unabashedly, I am a fan of stage magic. I have been ever since I was a kid. And partially because I always appreciate an art form where the suspension of disbelief is a key to enjoying it. So Penn and Teller are probably my favorite magicians overall. Not only have they spent over four decades being brilliant at fooling people, but they'll also do this fun thing where they'll occasionally let people in on the secrets, showing exactly how a trick is done in reality. It doesn't necessarily ruin the trick. It's just like, look how fucking good we are. They're big on patting themselves on the the back. But that's, you know, (laughs) neither here nor there. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the fuck does this have to do with video games? Well, no, they had a video game. Yes, they've had a couple, but specifically in 1995, they were set to release a game called Smoke and Mirrors for the Sega CD. Unfortunately, that specific game never released, but there's a ton of information and even playable mini games from the title available online. Since Penn and Teller made a name for themselves, basically fucking with people, why wouldn't they do that in a video game as well? So Shay. Yeah. Which of the following is an actual mini game that you would have been able to play in smoke and mirrors a magician's personal assistant a play on the trope of the magician's assistant rather than taking part in a disappearing act or being sawed in half you get to do mundane tasks such as getting teller a cappuccino or picking up pens dry cleaning featuring a near one-to-one representation of the las vegas strip surrounding the rio casino the player has to complete all the tasks on the to-do list before showtime or risk being fired b desert bus a real-time driving sim where you play as a bus driver making the trip from Tucson, Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada. The bus cannot exceed 45 miles an hour, and you have to constantly keep the bus from veering off of the road. If anything should happen to the bus while en route, you have to get towed back to Tucson and start all over. Now, the fucked thing about this is it's real-time. In total, it takes eight hours in the real world to get from point A to point B. If you stall... Nah. and get towed back that's also in real time oh my god or c ted the tax man a game in which you help penn teller and several of their big in the 90s friends such as harry anderson paul peewee herman rubens or judy tenuda file their taxes literally just filling in prompts on virtual paperwork and scoring points for the least amount of errors the game continues unending until your clerical incompetence triggers an audit or you get caught accepting a bribe from one of the celebrities in order to cook the books. I feel like we know where this one was going, but I would like to buy a hint, please, Dan. Uh, no. Can you just take away a wrong answer? Uh, no. Is it because all of them are real mini games that you play in that game? I wish that were true, but no. (laughs) Uh, fuck it. We'll go with B again. It is B. Yes. <laughs> I also just wanted to, I, I knew you would find it. I knew you would know that the pattern was there, but I went with every answer as B this time because yeah, no, yeah. I wanted to mess with your SAT stuff because the in real SAT'd life, me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, not only is Desert Bus real, but it is actually playable. In fact, there's a Canadian entertainment group called Loading Ready Run that have been doing an annual charity stream of the game since 2007. Over the last 14 years, Loading Ready Run's Desert Bus for Hope events have raised over $8.3 million for the Child's Play charity, which donates toys and video games to children's hospitals all around the world. This past year, they raised, I think it was almost $1.5 million this year alone, and they played for six fucking days straight. Damn. Yeah. 
like just as a live stream back and forth, there was like also like a live uh, in-person component to it. But I think that's so fascinating and really cool. And Child's Play is a great charity. So kudos to them. Yeah. So that will do it for us today. Shade, that is four points on the board. Fuck yeah, it is. Very well done. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. It's yeah. an honor just to play. <laughs> it's an honor to compete. It's, uh, you know, just happy to be here. But yes, that will do it for us today. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at BNGPod at both Twitter and Instagram. We post our artwork and also, especially during this time of year, we're going to be posting our cheap codes so you can find the best deals you can on games. If you'd like to share the show, you can do so with our hosting site, which is anchor.fm slash BNGPod. And we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the show. We started this right at the beginning of, of 2021. So really, if you wouldn't mind sharing the show, getting the word out, if you enjoy what we do, you know, tell a friend, seriously. Like, it, it would help us out a great deal. We love making this show for you guys, and we want to continue doing so. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, video game suggestions, pumpkin pie recipes, you can send that to brokeandgamingpod at gmail.com. So, uh, oh, hey, Shay, what are we playing next time? Next time, Dan, we'll be playing a little game called Stealth Inc. So make sure you tune in for that. True story. I thought I already owned the game. I owned a game <laughs> called Invisible Inc. So starting from square one on that one. So <laughs> let's see how we fare on that on our next episode. But until then, goodbye. Absolutely, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.